Uh, so are you excited? Yeah, you got a joke, right? I've got a joke this time. Yes! Okay, so uh, this comes courtesy of a very good friend of mine okay. who told me this joke when I was getting my wife's car serviced at his, um, okay. his Autobahn dealership. Right, sounds um, good. <clears throat> so <clears throat> there's a man at home. Um, he's a widower, uh, and he lives by himself, and he, he he has done for quite some time. And it was just one day where he's sort of looking around the house thinking to himself, I'm pretty lonely. Like, I, I don't have many friends or anything. Yeah. Um, Maybe I'll get myself a pet, right? So he, he goes looking through Gumtree and all the wanted ads and all that sort of stuff. And he thinks to himself, I'm going to need a pet that's, you know, going to gonna be interesting. Maybe something I can talk to. Yeah. And he comes across an ad for a parrot. He yeah. thinks to himself, oh, this seems like the go. So he, he goes out and he meets the parrot and all that sort of stuff. And, and this is great. So he decides, yep, I'll take the parrot. <laughs> he goes home with the parrot. And they're having a great time for, you know, a few weeks. And, um, you know, every day he sort of wakes up in the morning and they have breakfast together. And then he toddles off for the day and goes to work. Now, while he's at work, this parrot, as the weeks go by, is starting to get pretty bored. So one particular day, the parrot's looking around the house thinking to himself, what am I going to do? And he sees the phone. And he's seen his, his owner use the phone plenty of times, right? Yeah. So he decides, oh, yeah, I might make a phone call. <laughs> so he, you know, hops over to the phone yeah. and with his beak, he nudges it off the handset <laughs> and he starts dialing a number. He doesn't know what number he's dialing. He's just dialing a random number. Anyway, it starts ringing and he hears, hello, on the other end of the line, concrete services, can I help you? So he, he just decides to order a batch of concrete. <laughs> Anyway, later on that afternoon, truck pulls up and just dumps two and a half ton of concrete on his owner's front lawn. The owner gets home from work, sees the concrete, thinks to himself, that bloody parrot. <laughs> and he walks inside, he sees the parrot, and then he sees the phone with the uh, receiver off the handset yeah, yeah, and thinks yeah. to himself, you did this. Anyway, they go to bed. They're angry at each other. They get up the next morning. And the owner's had a gut full, and he's grabbed the parrot by the scruff of the neck, and he slams him up against the wall, and he goes, you're not going to do that again today. And he grabs a set of pins from his office drawer, and he pulls out one of the parrot's wings and stretches it across the wall, yeah. and he pins it yeah. to the wall. And then he grabs the other wing, and he stretches it across the wall, and he pins that one to yeah. the wall. And he goes, you're going to stay here all day until I get back, and that's it. The parrot doesn't say anything. The guy leaves, the parrot watches the guy leave, closes the door, locks it behind him. That's it. The parrot's there on the wall like this. Arms outstretched, wings outstretched. The rest of his body sort of hanging down and gets about five or ten minutes into it and he's looking around the house, thinking to himself, oh yeah, this is my life now, is it? He looks across at the other wall and he sees a guy hanging the same way as him on a, on a cross, on a crucifix. Yeah. So he yells out and he goes, hey. And the guy on the crucifix looks up and he goes, oh, hello. And the parrot goes, what's your name? And he goes, I'm Jesus Christ. And the parrot goes, oh, yeah. How long have you been there for? And he goes, oh, about 2,000 years. And he goes, oh, man, you must have ordered a lot of concrete. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Dave. 
it, aren't they? Bloody ripper. Beautiful. All right, let's get stuck in. <laughs> Attack commences in 60 seconds. Welcome to the Game on AUS podcast, episode 93. Bloody have a wee, Pete, because that's wee. ripper. It's, uh, it is an absolute ripper, and we've got a hell of a podcast for you. Because we've got a special guest in our good mate, Alex Walker from Kotaku. He is going to join us for a very special Gamescom top three that gamers need to hear this week. Live from Cologne in oui, oui. Germany. Oh, Germany. Yeah, Germany, mate. What are you doing? <laughs> Have another Kransky. Um, yeah, this place. Also, speaking of guests, we're going to be joined by Jackie, who's the founder of GGWP. Good game, well played. She'll explain exactly what that's all about. And also her son, Max, also known as Orange Ocelot Gaming. He's 10 years old, and he's just about to head over to the US for the World Pokemon Championships. Hell, Crazy awesome. thing is, he's not even the youngest one going. You hear a lot more about that and plenty more. Do not go anywhere. Game on, game on. It's game time. Excellent. Game on, game on. It's game time. Excellent. Oh, what a bloody ripper! Game on! Game on! Yes! As we record this today, uh, the 22nd of August in Perth, quite sunny Perth, it's quite nice actually. It's not bad, is it? Starting to see a little bit of spring weather. Winter is going. Winter is going. See you, winter. See you, winter. Been wonderful. (laughs) Uh, But yes, hello, my name is Pete. My name is Dan the Internet. And for the next hour, we're going to bang on about gaming because we bloody love gaming, Dan. Pete, what else do we bloody love? Oh, Dan, I think bloody gaming. Bloody gaming we do, mate. Couldn't agree more. A big thanks to our good mates over at PLE Computers, our tech sponsor, and uh, all the rest of our great publishers and developers who are partners of ours who are sending us just truckloads of information. It's amazing. In particular this week, because Gamescom is on. And speaking of which, we'll catch up with Alex Walker from Kotaku, who was at Gamescom Cologne in Germany, just a moment to deliver a very special top three things that gamers need to hear this week. Mm. But don't forget, there's plenty going on. Uh, GameOnAUS.com is where all of the stories are happening. There is a uh, an amazing daily update of sure. Dota 2 The International yeah. From uh, one of our great content creators there, Adzi. Yeah. Bruce Leet, he's doing a wonderful job. Um, the latest uh, MMORPG uh, nostalgia series, if you will, mm. from Inferno, mm. Chris Infernox, yep. uh, is just awesome. It's really blowing our brains. He, originally, he, uh, he wrote about Ultima online, which was last week. He's got a brand new one there to share with you this week. Mm. Just fantastic stories delving into his childhood of gaming. Yeah, you know? it's so, so good. It's been very enjoyable to read. Uh, all of the other great things that are happening at the moment, Goa PUBG, Discord Casuals, that's happening every Friday and Saturday night where you get to spin the Wheel of Keys. The when yourself. Wheel of Keys! Xbox Live Passes, <laughs> Game Passes, Steam Keys. Uh, the MVP of the night for these uh, casual tournaments we're holding on the Discord channel are just having a blast spinning that wheel and winning prizes. It's how, going really well. How's the Batchy Discord chat going? It's going good. Yeah. <laughs> Mate, I knew this would happen. Everybody's like, nah, we don't need a Bachelor Discord channel in the in the game on AUS Discord. Yeah. And I threw it up there, and it's getting a hammering. All right? It's bloody beautiful. Hey, man, I love the Bachelor. As we found out last week, um, it gives me more time to game at home. Absolutely. So bring well, it absolutely. every day of the week, mate. It's a bloody ripper. Uh, so, yeah, there's that going on. And, of course, this is the week where we draw... 
the winner the of Battle the Battle Ball Chair. The Battle Ball Gaming Battle Chair. Ball Chair. Valued at $349, if you don't mind. Uh, all the usuals. Come and find us. Twitch, Facebook, and uh, all the other social media places mm. as well. Dan, it mm. is time. Let's do it. Shall we? Let's bring our mate. Yes, let's put in a call to our mate. I just shot him a uh, message on Facebook. Yeah. And he said, my body is ready. My body is ready. My body is ready. Fantastic. Well, that's what, what happens. Over there? Uh, so if it's five o'clock here. Well, we can ask him. No, I'll, 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 I'll have it ready. No, no. Ask him. All right. What do you think we pay him for? <laughs> we don't pay him, do we? No, we don't. <laughs> <laughs> Half our luck. Yeah. Oh, God, he's one of the greats, isn't he? He's great, mate. He really is one of the greats. It's nice to have someone on the inside, too. It is. Yes. Hello. Alex Walker from Kotaku. Yes. Hello, good sir. Hello, how are you boys doing? Good, mate. Uh, going so good. Mate, you must be in gamer heaven right now. Look, when you're surrounded by hundreds of thousands of other people and all of the best games in the world, it's a pretty good place to oh, be. Oh, yeah. So, uh, of course, you are in Cologne, Germany at the moment, the home of Gamescom for 2018. It's where all of the big announcements are happening, and there is so much, particularly towards the end of the year, that we've got to look forward to. And game developers and publishers are dropping all of their big trailers and all that. Mate, feel free to wrap it the way that you would like to, but this is a very special top three things that gamers need to hear live from Gamescom. What have you got for us? All right, so let's go slightly left of field. Let's go out of big things that everybody has been seeing for a while. I like Who it. likes dad jokes? Uh, we like dad jokes. Yeah. Yeah. Dad jokes, fantastic. So there's a game that was sort of announced a little earlier. It's called What the Golf. It's from uh, a Finnish studio, I believe. And essentially What the Golf was designed as a game for people who don't like golf. So it essentially has like the basic golf mechanics. Like here's a flag. Here's like a, a meter that you control with the A button and the left stick and send the object to the hole. Yep. You start off with a golf ball. Then it turns into you driving cars. It gives you a level where you've got like actual soccer posts and then you're trying to get the soccer posts into another goal. <laughs> and every single little mini level and mini game, and there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of them, essentially just gives them an opportunity for a dad joke pun. <laughs> so like when you get... When, when you get soccer ball into the goal, it just comes up and says goal. And then it gives you the soccer post and it comes up and it says goal, goal. There's <laughs> portal levels. Like, and, and that's just the whole game. It's just a running dad joke time and time again. It is the funniest thing. Lovely. So uh, that, that's going to come out on mobile next month. And then depending you know, how that, well that does, they're going to bring it over to other platforms yep. either at the end. Sort of. So that's, that's one really fun to look forward to. On the more sort of big scale space, uh, how are you boys with platformers? Metroidvanias. Uh, love a platformer. Oh, Absolutely yeah. love a platformer. Uh, but are we talking 2D or 3D platformer here? Uh, 2D ones. 2D platformers. My favorite. Like, I'm going back to them at the moment. You know, I mean, there's the typical classics like your Donkey Kongs and all that sort of stuff um, that have obviously had their releases over the over the course of time, particularly in the last 12 to 18 months. But um, I'm really finding favor in some of the classic 2D platformers and indie platformers on Steam and stuff like that. So, uh, mate, I'm loving them. Yeah, especially like uh, that's uh, the best game that's come out of Australia in probably the last decade, certainly the last five years, is Hollow Knight. It was made out of Adelaide and they've sold over one and a half million copies by now. Hang on, and Hollow Knight. Like, and everybody's loving. Hollow Knight's an yeah, Australian Knight. game. 
Yeah, uh, Team Cherry is based in Adelaide. Oh, my oh God. God. Yeah, and that's absolutely been going great guns. I was playing it um, on the Switch on the flight over, which um, turned out to be really good because one of the other games that Hollow Knight reminds me a lot of is Ori in the Blind Forest. Yeah, oh, yeah. Um, yep. So... Moon Studios, the idea at Xbox game. Um, so next year there's going to be the sequel to that, which is Ori and the Will of the Wisps. And they had it showing at the Xbox booth. And what's really cool about that game is the way that you can chain a lot of the movement and the attacks together. Mm-hmm. There's no, you know, so for instance, you've got like your dashes, you've got your roll. They've added in a grappling hook, which you can throw up. And the game's already, it was a stunning looking game when it came out. has lots of beautiful effects. The sequel adds a lot more colour, adds a um, bit more environment. So the demo level was set in a, a desert area and you could burrow through the sand and then dash out of the sand, dash through enemies and, and platforms. And it just goes really quick. It's super snappy. Yep. But with the attacks in particular, so one of the new weapons that you get is a bow. When you pull out the bow, and you can pull it out at any time, um, Ori will hover in the air. So kind of like slowing time a little bit. Mm-hmm. So what you can actually do is shoot an enemy midair, then immediately bring up the weapon wheel, which stops the game dead, swap out the bow, get a giant sledgehammer or get a spear or just get a normal attack, do a straight downward strike, then follow it up with another melee attack or another you know, ranged weapon and just keep chaining it over and over and over again. And when you add that with the... Um, the dash, which resets every time you touch a surface. Yeah. You can literally just blitz through levels so quickly. It's a kind of game that speedrunners are going to absolutely love. Oh, and yeah. it's just yeah. a cracking platformer. I was yeah. just about to say that, you know, you talking about that the way that you are is I'm looking forward to seeing speedrunners having a fair old crack at it because you are. You're going to see the eventual speedrunner who's going to chain the entire game together virtually. Yeah, it, and there was some of that in um, Ori and the Blind Forest, especially when you get towards the end. And that, that's always the, the key um, with these kind of platformers is how long does it take for everybody to get the tool set to have the most amount of fun with it? Because, you know, it's the same. Like, the worst part of Hollow Knight is the first couple of hours because you don't have the dash. You're still sort of fiddling your way around and working it out. Same thing with Ori and the Blind Forest. So that's a sort of question mark over it. But yep. at the stage, like, when you've got all the tools, cross it's fun. Mm, yeah. Um, it's great to hear, too, that, you so, know, I feel like gamers every now and then need a platformer, just a good platformer, just to break up everything else. Yeah. I've just come off Rayman Rayman Legends as a Games for Gold off Xbox, and I just loved it. You know, like I was sort of addicted to that for a couple of weeks. So this is great news. Yeah, and and that fits well. There's a lot of good um, action games that are on the show that's sort of like a um, Biomutant is one that I I think like more people should be talking about. Like it just, it is the kind of game that you play that puts a smile on your face and makes you happy. The, yep. the sort of thing, you know, you're going around, you've, you've got like a little raccoon and essentially almost like um, rocket raccoon, long lost cousin. And he's running around with dual pistols, flipping over enemies, slashing them in the back. As you do a critical hit, it brings like a big like comic book flash of like pow and smash in the back of them. And it's just really quick and snappy. And so you're flying through, bouncing around. And it's basically a third person kung fu film that's set in a post-apocalyptic world with a raccoon. (laughs) That sounds amazing. (laughs) And what's amazing, like, it also just continually winds it up. So there was a part in the demo, after you go through and beat a couple of bosses, you get to a section where you've got to go through and suck out all of the oil because the whole, you know, sort of theme is that the world tree is, 
is getting ruined and you've got to go and sort of rescue everything. So you're like, okay, I can't swim in oil. So here's a giant mech that you can go and suck all the oil out. So I'm like, <laughs> okay, cool. Great. Go sit in the mech. And it's like, oh, how would you like to decorate your mech? Would you like a dragon head? Would you like a duck face? <laughs> and you just go, yep, this looks done. Fine, I'll go with it. It is, it is just fun. It's made the, the studio that um, Experiment 101 is made up of a bunch of former Just Cause developers. Oh, and yeah. so the, you sort of get an idea of the, um, they just want to create something that you enjoy. That it's something that you can go to after a day after work and just unwind yeah. and have a laugh with. I'm watching a gameplay trailer right now, and you've described it perfectly, Alex. <laughs> it's it's you were dead right. It's beautiful. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. Um, something that's also kind of really interesting. I was having a chat to the developers yesterday about this. So, how are you boys with the Battlefield series? Uh, I, to be honest with you, I've never really played it much. I've actually always gravitated towards COD over out of the two FPS shooters. And that's pretty much because um, most of my mates have always played Call of Duty. And and generally these games I play for the multiplayer. And so I'm playing with my mates. But the more and more that I see of Battlefield 5, it's just, I I don't know, I'm starting to feel a pull that way, Mm. you know? Yeah, it's one of the things that I, I know a lot of people that I used to see at Lands and a, l- a lot of friends of mine, they used to like a lot of the older Battlefields, especially like Bad Company 2 was like a good example yep. of one of the more faster paced, more pared down in terms of the, the size and scope. Like you still had a large amount of players, but it wasn't as um, you know large distance between firefights you know, spawn points are a bit more tighter together, that sort of thing. Yeah. And I've seen like a lot of people that have been a bit worried about the direction of Battlefield in terms of going away from that older style and sort of focusing more on sort of grander maps uh, and grander movement, which is kind of, you know, it, not what a lot of people got into the Battlefield franchise for. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Now, this week, a trailer came out for a game called World War Three. A uh, bunch of developers that make it um, have not really had any background in doing large-scale FPS games before. But if you go and have a look at the trailer, if you didn't know any better, you'd think it was a Battlefield game. Like, you'd think it was actually like Battlefield 3 or Battlefield 4. It almost looks a dead ringer for it. Yeah. And so that's a good plus point for a lot of people. But what's really cool about it is that the devs are also working on a meta game that feeds into the multiplayer. So as you go through and you play, you'll get a whole bunch of, you know, battle point, points, for, you know, getting kills, capturing objectives, and you also get, like, little sort of tasks to fill depending on what you're doing. So, you know, if you're a medic, you know, go heal people. Like, they could be simple. They could be more complex. And you get bonuses and rewards for doing that. So it yeah. gives people a sense of purpose, which you need in, like, these large-scale fights. Yeah. But those points can then be spent on an interactive world map very much kind of like a turn-based strategy game. So the different, the two factions in the game, people can invest those points into, say, um, taking over Russia or taking over like a, a level in North America. So you get like this power balance. So the game essentially has seasons that run over the course of like a month or so, and then people can influence, you know, where in this world map their efforts go towards. So one faction can win over the other. And that can result in like, you know, if your faction has put, you know, more points into say defending, let's say Sydney, for instance, Mm. you might get just like a slight little bonus, like your magazine size might be a fraction 
larger, or you might get more battle points at the start of a round, which means you're able to invest that into, say, like a UAV or getting a vehicle earlier, if you think like you're playing like Planet Side 2 in terms of that kind of using resources in the middle of a fight. Yeah, right. Yeah, well, so yeah. they're building, yeah, so they're building all around that. And that's kind of, I, I've always wanted to see the idea of like a, a meta game that persists with something like an FPS or an RTS because that it gives each individual game a bit more meaning. Otherwise, yes. Yes, it was does, some yeah. Total Annihilation did it um, way, way, way back. And it doesn't get used a lot um, these days. I think For Honor recently, um, there, there was a big production that they tried to do a metagame with their world. But it's still something that a lot of devs can play with. And I think it's going to work really well in an FPS. So I'm super keen to see how that comes. Um, that's going to launch in early access around December, I think. Oh, okay. Unreal. I'm just watching uh, gameplay footage of this one. Yeah, World War Three. It looks, again, beautiful. Mate, that's it great. Like, it's it's good to know that there are, you know, a lot of games out there that have really got something to give us that um, that aren't, you know, the the first party or the first party IPs, the major titles, the AAA games that dominate the marketing and the headlines and yeah. all that sort of stuff. But there is obviously yeah. a market for those those massive things. What is something that you are really looking forward to seeing or something that you have seen that's a bit of a surprise from one of the major developers or publishers? Um, so I think the big one that took me back was how much interest there was even with the press cues for Devil May Cry 5. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that's coming out like that, that's handling really tight. Um, it's got a lot of good different mechanics of the people that came from DMC4. Um, how the characterization and the plot works out isn't really known because it wasn't the demo that they were showing off. didn't have a, a great deal of that. Uh, but it's coming together really well, which is fantastic because we haven't had a DMC for a little while and it's just good to see that series back. And it's also nice to see uh, Xbox investing in those kinds of games because it's one of one of the problems with um, Xbox over the last couple of years is that you couldn't get like new Automata, you know, yeah. for ages. You couldn't get a lot of those really great um, games out of Japan because they just never came to that platform. Yep. So I think that's a, I hope that does really well for them. I hope that comes out really well and they continue to invest in a bit more outreach with the Japanese. Um, development community because that's just going to be you know better result for everyone for everyone at the yeah. end of it. Well, yep. uh, speaking of the Japanese um, development community, just really quickly, I mean, there is no, you know, I guess um, revered video game designer than Hideo Kojima. Are we are we expecting to see anything more about Death Stranding at Gamescom? No, um, the next that you can expect, or at least from my understand, uh, understanding, is probably from the PlayStation Experience event towards the end of the year. Yep, um, most of the Death Stranding stuff came from was scheduled for E3 and you know Sony's focus for Gamescom is on you know more on the PSVR more on a whole bunch of other titles and Death Stranding I mean it's still that game's still got a couple of years in the works before we can get into you know on retail shelves and things um so it's not you know it's a shame that it's not here but it's also not surprising the game's still pretty early in development fair enough um one other thing that's cool that I do want to touch on um just briefly um Actual photo, photorealistic graphics. Oh. Um, so one of the things that's coming out from uh, Gamescom is NVIDIA essentially pushing real-time ray tracing, which is the technique for it is essentially was developed, I think, in 1979. Mm. And the idea of what it does is it accurately tracks 
light as it interacts with objects. So say if you're in a video game, you've got a character that's moving from one spot to another, right? Mm. How do you accurately render where that shadow's going to go? And what happens when that shadow, say, intersects with the shadow of a door or shadow of the sun or something like that? Yeah. Most of the trickery that's done up until now has been kind of a bit ad hoc because the amount of computing requirements that takes to do it properly is just way too much. Yep. You need like a supercomputer. Yep. So they've announced a new line of GPUs to help essentially do a few things. So with real-time ray tracing, one of the things that you can do properly is reflection. Now, in a game, say there's an explosion and you've got a character that's got glasses, right? Mm -hmm. And you've got the reflection from the glasses, you would expect to see the explosion in the glasses. Mm. But the actual problem is if that explosion isn't on the screen at the same time, they have to fake that image in the reflection mm. because it's not possible to compute both of them at once. Right. With real-time ray tracing, things like that become possible. So other things, if you've got, say, there was a, a demo they showed on Monday night with Shadow of the Tomb Raider. There's a section in the game early on where Lara walks through a town square and a whole bunch of people are standing around, a whole bunch of coloured lights. Now, the way that developers have to create these graphics at the moment is they render all of the lighting from back to front. So somebody's shadow in the front will intersect of someone's at the back. And it gets cluttered. It's not accurate. It's not realistic. But it's what they can do with current technology. Yeah. With ray tracing, those things blend properly. So you don't get you know, badly colluded shadows. Things are more accurate. You also get colors that can blend in to lighting properly. And it just opens up a whole bunch of different techniques that developers couldn't have done before because it just cost too much hardware power. So it wasn't possible with what was available. Would this mean that um, uh, as the technology for that gets a lot better, then it would become perceivably cheaper for developers to develop these techniques in games? Yeah, the, and that's one of the things is um, by able to having hardware that does this accurately in real time, they can then use the overhead that they essentially would have been using to do something like this into another area of development so they can focus on, say, adding more objects to a scene. So you can have, like, an example might be, say, if you're flying through space, you can have more asteroids. Or if you're going through a town center, you can have more objects that are um, rendered correctly. So you mm -hmm. can get scenes that are more lifelike, more interesting, more vivid, because it's actually possible to have all of that visible to the player at any one given time. How long it's going to take for everybody to actually, you know, get to grips with this and start to use it is another matter. Yeah. Um, at the moment, only about 21 games have been announced. So, and that's broken up into two sections. Like there's one, so about 11 games. So it includes like Shadow of the Tomb Raider, Metro Exodus, Macquarie 5 and Battlefield 5 are sort of the biggest ones out of that. They're going to take use of the biggest high-end techniques. So like the reflections with explosions, things like that I talked about. Um, when they come out, they'll support that at launch. And uh, there's a whole bunch of other ones that are essentially going to take use of just a, it's like a different anti-aliasing technique. Unreal. So what they use, yeah. Um, so that will be, you know, 21 and then, you know, over the next coming years, more and more developers are going to get used to it and games are just going to look better. They're actually going to look more photorealistic and we're going to be able oh. to enjoy them at the frame rates we play games today. That's yeah. so bloody exciting. It is. <laughs> and I, I want to see that technology come together with VR development 
you know, because you you can imagine being so heavily immersed in a in a really great game via VR that you feel like you know, and then just being able to have that photo realism as close to one to one as possible is just going to enhance that experience so much more. Yeah, especially, and that's like when you get things like the Andy Alias thing, being able to get more clarity and sharpness, especially in VR, the big thing because you've got like the center of the the lenses when you're looking through the VR headset and then you've got, you know, on the periphery things that tend to be blurrier. So when you can sharpen up all of that, you get, you know, one, it's less strain for the person wearing the headset, but it's just a more enjoyable experience because it looks more what you expect, yeah. you know, the image to look like. Um, Alex, look, if you've got to take off, please, by all means, don't be shy in telling us you have to, but um, I'd love to pick your brain a little bit more just about, about being at a, at a games festival like Gamescom as a reviewer, what is what is your average day look like? Um, so very long is a simple answer. <laughs> um, I'll give you a sort of like a, a practical hour by hour breakdown. So I think um, flying over to Cologne from Sydney is about a twenty plus hour flight, regardless of how you feel. Yeah. Um, for me, it ended up being almost closer to thirty this time, just because of how things worked out. So I I went from Sydney to Bangkok. Stayed on tarmac for a couple of hours because I needed to refuel. Then went from Bangkok to Dubai, change to Dubai, go from Dubai to Dusseldorf, and then you've got to take a train from Dusseldorf to Cologne, and then you know get to where you need to go from there. Yeah. Um, that that that's a that's a shitload of time. Yes, yeah, it, yeah, is. it is. A long yeah. time to be sitting in a seat and yeah. and you know not brushing and just trying not to elbow the person next to you who keeps leaning over too much. Um, <laughs> the days itself. Once you get going, um, tend to be sort of balanced on, on what you've got to do back home. So I'm still doing everything that I would, I would do in my normal day um, if I was in Sydney, but I'm just doing it on a slightly different time zone. So I'm looking at a case of maybe about seven in the morning until last stories I far might be about like nine or ten o'clock at night. Yeah, right. Wow, far out, man. And, and and that's a yeah, and and that's how it is because like everybody's only there for a short period of time and there's also only a short period of time before events like these open up to the public as well and after that stage it gets pretty difficult like you can't walk up to a, a booth say it like you know imagine like PAX Australia right mm-hmm. uh, you have a day before like you've so got a whole bunch of closed appointments so like in a bunch of separate halls where you can guarantee you can go see say like a a presentation on Cyberpunk 2077 or yep. Forza Horizon or something like that. Um, but if you don't get those, you can also walk up to the booth on the media days and be like, oh, you know, go and play it there. Yep. Um, but once the public gets let in, you know, you are literally dealing with, you know, 200,000, 250,000 people that will come through the doors mm. over the course of three or four days. So those queues pretty much make that impossible. But it, you as you as a reviewer from such a such a prestigious brand as is Kotaku, don't you do you get like a lanyard that says, look, I'm here doing this. Can you jump the queues? Um so you do get like you'll go in and you'll get uh lanyards, but you know, in case of there there are some booths that will actually have like fast pass cards, which I find is interesting, but that's not like a, a codified thing that's just a hey, we're a developer, we're trying to work out ways to get more people in to see our game to cut through the noise same way as everybody else. Yeah. Um, other ones usually are the case of they organise times and if you can get them, you can get them. And when you can't, 
that's it. And usually if somebody misses an appointment or something happens, they don't refill that slot because there are so many appointments jammed that everybody really needs a break. Yeah. Like, you know, working, like it, it's nice to be able to take the appointments and it's a long day, but it's not as long as the people who have to stand at the booth, pack up, set up the next day, yeah. you know, wipe everything down, make yeah. sure it's working. Like they've got like an extra like four or five hours on top of that. Um, so, you know, it's quite often like a lot of the times, like, you know, people will always miss out on things or you've got to like make trade-offs because if you try and take too many appointments, you're going to, you forget what you played from like the first, yeah, second yeah, day. Yeah, yeah, yeah of you've course. You've still got to file stories. So, yeah, yeah. yeah it, it's that balancing act of working out what you can, what you can get to what you have time to write up and also, you know, what you can actually physically walk to. Cause you know, the size of a expo hall of Texas, Australia. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. The, okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. Now imagine there's 11 of those. Oh, far out. Yeah, what? Right. Wow. Yeah. That, that's the size of the, the Colin Mesa, which is the exhibition hall where they hold Gamescom over the course of a day, a regular day at Gamescom um, as, you know, a punter or as, press anyone just going through you'll walk 10 to 12 kilometers every day <laughs> gee whiz mate steps are right up yeah absolutely <laughs> you know you're knocking those My steps out loving me right now yeah, yeah. <laughs> mate um do you get to do you get to meet anyone that makes you a little bit starry-eyed you know like some of the really big gaming guests that might appear at some of those at a festival like gamescom I mean, like, people do come out, but it's also a really human experience because everybody is equally exhausted and everybody is equally tired. Yeah. yeah. Everybody is meeting each other in this sort of state where nobody's really at 100%, which is kind of, it's good because, like, everybody is in the same situation. It's nice to sort of have that um, ability to share the exhaustion, as it were. And it's also um, good to see the reactions from developers because they spend a lot of time working on demos specifically for events like Gamescom and E3. And that's time that takes away from normal development. Like if it wasn't for trade shows and developers could just actually get through and adding the content to the game and refining it and polishing it, games would get released faster. But it's important for them to be able to come and show it out. One, to get people excited, but also like especially from indie devs to get feedback from, you know, other publishers and and just find out like, you know, a lot of QA testing. You know, I was in a, a demo for Metro Exodus and there was a, a section towards the, the end of the demo where you go up the tower and there's a rope and you've got a zip line. Now, because of the way the demo was structured, it was done in a spot where the, there wasn't like a tutorial about using a zip line. So what the devs found is most people actually got stuck because they never looked up at the zip line. They never, one knew that that was a mechanic and they just never knew to look there. Yeah. Because why would they? There wasn't something they interacted with at any point before and the yeah. game never told them. So they use that feedback and, you know, they might, you know, do a job of like putting an outline around it or like giving like a tool tip or something like that. And that's what that time lets them do. Do do you get any cool stuff? Like, you know, are are you wandering over to NVIDIA and they're handing you a show bag and going here, you know, Alex, take this and review it or whatever you like. And you open the show bag and in there is a, is a brand new RTX <laughs> TI 2080. Like, you know, like, excellent do you, question. Do you get any really cool stuff for being a, like a, a major brand reviewer at a show like that? Oh, nobody will get anything like that. And I'll tell you why, because it's a pain in the ass to take it home. I'll tell you something. If you get someone that works at like a, um, like 
an NVIDIA or a Logitech, like a, a hardware vendor, somebody that has to move a lot of hardware from one um, panel to another on the show, yeah. ask them what what it's like having the logistics of actually getting that stuff shipped either interstate or shipped overseas, overseas yeah. and then making sure it's in working order. Like that's one of the biggest nightmares of any of these trade shows is just getting stuff from one place to another. Yeah. And it's an up, absolute nightmare. So yeah. things like that, they'll usually, um, um, you know, same with consoles, even same with like, you know, a lot of game codes and things. You do it after the show and after everything is unwind because it's just more practical. It's a lot easier to do. Yeah, absolutely. Now, mate, um, before we let you go, um, one, uh, two more questions. Um, one is what's coming up next for you at Gamescom that you're going to be checking out? Uh, that's a good question. I, I have it on my Google Google Keep roster. Um, so next thing's coming out, I've still got to check out um, Team Sonic Racing, um, which is trying to do like a sort of a, essentially like a team-based thing for kart races. Not sure how well that's going to work out, but mm. um, I'm interested to like have a look at it. Um, I have to go back and play a little bit more of Forza Horizon. I'm also going to do a special build of um, Metro Exodus because with the, the special effects and things, um, the one that they had playable at Gamescom didn't have you know the extra tech and things that's been built into it. So it'd be fun to sort of check that out. I'm going to go and check out Command and Conquer Rivals. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah, great. Kind of. Yeah, I, I'm a I'm big CNC fan, so I don't know how it's going to work on mobiles, but I want to... I'm kind of partially out of nostalgia. I'm going to go check it out because I spent so much time with the older games yep. and also to see if it's possible to bring like a any kind of RTS spirit like that to the mobile phone. Yep. Um, they managed to make it work with MOBAs, so um, that's something. And I think other things like Super Mario Party are uh, going to have a bit of a play with that and a couple of other Nintendo things, which uh, I'm not sure which they are, but I will find out tomorrow. Unreal. Mate, well, enjoy yourself. Um, thank you so much for joining us. And, of course, you'll get the full wrap every single day of all the stuff you need to see at kotaku.com.au, which brings me to my next thing. Uh, and, you you know, I, this sort of comes back to your long-haul flight. I noticed this, and it's actually a, a piece of tech off the back of your recommendation that I picked up today because I thought, far out, that's good. And that's this uh, power pack for the Nintendo Switch. Just really quickly, do you want to run us through the, uh, the the power pack that you mentioned at Kotaku for the Nintendo Switch? Yeah, so it's called like the Venom um, Power Pack. It's essentially like a, a combination um, battery pack and dock to the Switch. Um, so you sort of unlock it at the back. It's got two notches. You put it up, and then you can put the slide the whole Switch in, either with or without the Joy-Cons. And it, it's got a 10,000... Megawatt, mega, not sure what the term there is, but essentially almost double the battery capacity of what the Switch itself has. Um, Now, how much you actually get depends on what games you're playing. Say, for instance, you're playing Breath of the Wild, the Switch battery would only last you about two and a half hours. If you're playing like a smaller indie title, you might get like, you know, three, four, maybe a little bit more than that. Um, But essentially, it means that you can use that and you can get more juice out of the Switch, which lets you get through the majority of long-haul flights. So, I got over 10 hours, about close to 11. Um, that would be enough to get you, you know, uh, non-stop flight to Taipei, non-stop yeah. flight to Japan, yeah. uh, Bangkok. Means you don't have to worry about crappy in-flight entertainment or <laughs> if the screen's busted or if you've got like a game that you're already working through. Um, something like this will, you know, 
yeah. help you play more. Um, it charges by USB-C, so you can use like the Nintendo dock adapter if you've got it, or if you just want to like get a little bit of um, trickle juice from like the USB port that you get in like your seat, you can plug that in. Uh, there's got like another USB port so you can charge your mobile phone at the same time if you you know if you need to do that. Yeah. Um, and also because it's like so, ten thousand isn't. Um, you can get like mobile phone chargers that are like twenty thousand, twenty-five thousand, right? And you can charge the, the switch directly through the USB-C port. But one of the annoying things about doing that is the the switch isn't great to use when you've got a cable plugged up the bus. Yeah, that's always been one of the problems because it put it at the bottom instead of the top. Yeah, and also the the bigger the battery, the heavier it is. So about ten thousand, I found like especially if you're playing it in handheld mode. So you're picking up the switch and you've got like this big extra weight on the back. Like anything more than that actually becomes like a, a bit too much because you're, the Joy-Cons are not, um, they detach from the switch, right? Mm. So if you're playing with it and you've got this extra weight and you're sort of putting pressure back and forth as you're moving the Joy-Cons, like I'd be a little bit worried about like the stress that that would put on the joint. Um, because, you know, some people have had issues with those with the switch where um, the Joy-Cons after a little bit of period, they don't lock into the rails properly mm. so i'd rather you know I, I figure about like 10 hours it's a good amount of time for you to play through pretty much any game um yeah. you'll finish most indies in that time and then you can charge it afterwards and you know if you still got a few hours like if you're doing like a long haul to san francisco or something like that and you can watch a movie it breaks up the fight really well and it's only 70 bucks which is about what you would pay depends on the brand i think signet might be like um 70 or 80 there's a couple of um, like a Dolcom one might be around the same price. It's what you would pay for a power pack of that size with your mobile phone. So good yeah, price. That's great. That is unreal, so mate. Good. It is. Um, like I said, I picked one up off the back of that um, because it just it looks like a neat little bit of tech and I've been looking for one for a while. So you can check that out at Kotaku as well as uh, everything that you need to know about Gamescom. Make sure you do so. Alex Walker, always a pleasure, mate. Thank you so much for your time. Have a Kransky for us. <laughs> we'll do. Thanks, guys. See you, mate. See you, mate. Take care. All right. Bye. Cheers. Oh, just one of the greatest. Isn't, Isn't it? it great? You know, um, I mean, it's hard work. You know, you can't deny the fact that it's a hard slog doing what It's grueling. Doing it's it is. grueling. But if you love doing it, it doesn't really matter. And, and let's be and honest, you know, you, you could be digging ditches for 10 hours a day. Well, that well, that's right. Yeah. And, um, I love hearing people like I, there's a part of me is a little bit jealous of him because like, I'd love to do that. I'm but at the so same, jealous. But, yeah, yeah. But at the same time, I appreciate that it's someone who's doing it, who loves doing it. And I can, you hear the excitement in his voice. He doesn't sound tired. No. He doesn't sound um, over it. And you could like, the other thing is you'd be there with um, sort of. There'd be an energy there. For there'd be an energy because yeah. you'd be there. I know he mentioned, you know, people would be, everybody's sort of sharing that same tiredness. But in so saying, it'd be a little bit like brothers in arms. Yeah, of course. And you'd be there with uh, all of the other um, media houses as well for yeah. gaming. And, yeah. you know, you'd get together, you'd hang out, I imagine. Yeah. Like, there'd, there'd be a lot of chat, you know. Yeah. like that. And, and just, like, yeah. as, as you just said, imagine if there was, you know, 100,000 people around you digging ditches for 10 exactly. hours. Yeah, it wouldn't be as exciting, would no, it? No, <laughs> you'd be on the chain gang. Like, it's not, you know. <laughs> Um, but Alex Walker, so you can, as we mentioned, check his stuff out. Kotaku.com.au. He is certainly one of the greats, and we really mm. appreciate his time. Mate, we're already 45-odd minutes through this podcast. That was, a, that was the longest top was three long of all time. That's so, all right. uh, look, we might move straight on to uh, Jackie Garrett from GGWP and her son Max, a.k.a. Orange Ocelot Gaming, 
and uh, wrap it up after we finish up this interview with them because that's going to take us through the hour uh, nice and easily. And uh, look, speaking of Germany, um, Jackie is actually on her way to Germany as we speak. Wunderbar. Um, She's doing a little pass-by through um, Las Vegas Mm. um, for her son, Max, because he's going to be competing in the Pokemon World Championships. And as I mentioned, I had a chance to catch up with him. Here's how it went. Jackie Garrett joins me now. Now, Jackie, you are in charge of uh, a little-known thing that is starting to really make some waves called GGWP, or Good Game Well Played. Is that right? Yeah, it's it's definitely starting to pop up around everywhere. <laughs> now, there's a couple of things I wanted to talk to you about today, and one is GGWP, you know, how it started, where it's going, um, and in particular, why it's taking you overseas, but also about your son, Max, otherwise known as Orange Ocelot Gaming, who himself is starting to become quite the burgeoning uh, 10-year-old in the professional esports space. We'll get to that in just a moment. Well, let's start with GGWP. Tell us a little bit about it. So GGWP is an online learning academy that will teach people how to become the influencers of the future in esports and uh, live streaming and recorded content on YouTube. So teaching people how to go from uh, I want to learn how to stream to I've now got you know 5,000 followers and I'm utilizing and, and leveraging that to um, engage sponsorships and monetizing their career. That's fantastic news because, I mean, there isn't really much of that, particularly in the Australian market. And obviously, we're starting to see a lot of influence, influencers uh, gain a bit of notoriety now because, you know, the technology in this country is starting to catch up. Um, Absolutely. Your son, 10-year-old Max, Orange Ocelot Gaming, did... Did it have a little bit to do with him sort of getting into the space and you as a mother looking at it and going, well, I want to support this burgeoning career. How can I do that best? It had a lot to do with him. (laughs) Um, Just over the past year, we have learnt so much and we have made a network of friends within the Australian and New Zealand gaming industry that has allowed us to sort of tap into um, more expert knowledge. Obviously, I'm not the, the expert when it comes to this, but I am experienced in business and in startup. And so essentially, I saw an idea that would benefit the community um, and, and essentially help our streamers get to where they want to go. So just by taking the general knowledge that I've sort of accumulated over the past 12 months in helping Max you know, get to where he wants to be, I'm, I'm looking to apply that to others. It essentially came about because there were other streamers and other gamers who were contacting me online asking, how does a 10-year-old get this much traction when I can't get five people watching? Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, so um, I myself... That's essentially where it happened. <laughs> I myself would love to pick your brain on that because uh, <laughs> I've got a Twitch channel and I, I think I, I maybe, um, especially initially, averaged, I don't know, half a dozen viewers, if that... Um, yep. but look, I mean the, you know, this is really exciting that you're, you're moving into this space and they say that it, it takes a village to raise a kid. Um, but it, it certainly takes a lot more than that to raise a startup like GGWP, um, that has got a lot to do with raising kids in this space. Tell us about the team that you've put together. So the team that we've put together has, um, it's evolved a little bit over the past six months, I suppose. 
Um, we're now moving into um, residency over at the Esports High Performance Centre in Moore Park, uh, where the where the Diables and everyone are. <laughs> so um, that's opened our eyes to a little bit more in the way of particularly the health side of experts that we're working with and just working with personal trainers who also have an interest in gaming as well to produce um, the information that's going to allow gamers to do what they do, but do it healthily as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, oh, look, health is a, is a massive thing when it comes to esports. You know, we often hear about um, some of the bigger name teams in the US, for example, and the gaming houses that they're a part of and the fact that they have strict training regimes and um, strict eating regimes and health and fitness seems to be an integral part of being a professional gamer, which a lot of people in the mainstream media in particular just don't know. No, uh, the stereotype has changed dramatically in the past, particularly five years as far as I'm aware, um, that, you know, it, it used to be the the idea of, you know, somebody sitting in their mum's basement, you know, with no, <laughs> haven't seen sunlight for three days. <laughs> Yeah. Now to somebody who is drinking all these sports and protein shakes and, you know, goes to the gym and, and you know, is just as proud of their fitness as they are of their gaming accomplishments. Let's go so, back. Sorry, I was just going to say, let's go back just a moment to what you mentioned before. And, you know, you, you're doing quite well with Orange Ocelot. And um, obviously it's got a lot to do with him and how passionate he is about the space as well. But... Sure. The, the traction that you are gaining, you know, what's what are the what are the secrets? What are tips that you can tell people, you know, who are starting to get into the space that if you really want to make a go at it, the, maybe these are the, some of the things that you have to consider first. I think it really comes down to um, finding out what your uniqueness is within the industry and knowing how to utilize that standout. So, I mean, there's always going to be a, a level of entertainment a level of ability and a level of uniqueness that will see people succeed, I think. Orange Ocelot is uh, certainly all three of those. And he's, yeah. doing, <laughs> he's doing great things. And I look, I, I even love what he's done recently with the new hairdo as well. Like he's gone orange to match the AK racing chair. Um, yeah. It's look, it's just fantastic. And, and, you know what's so refreshing? Like you as a mother being so proud and passionate about your son wanting to get into video gaming and supporting that as something that he wants to do with his future. Look, I think as long as it's done in a healthy way and that you educate children along the way on how to be safe and how to be uh, positive online, uh, one of the courses that we're, that we're planning on launching later this year is going to be a kid's course and is basically for the 8 to 14-year-olds and their parents. And it allows them to further understand how to stay safe with in-game chats, how to leave a positive online footprint, and, you know, just sort of teaching them how to behave online. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's a very important part, um, responsibility online when it comes to behaviour and all that sort of stuff. And it also helps you, you know, not uh, getting the band hammer swung against you on your accounts, yeah. you know, losing all of that progress as well. When um, when did, did Max start getting into games? When did you start realising that he was he was starting to develop an interest in it? Uh, look, his dad took him along to a Pokemon, uh, a small local Pokemon competition when he was about five or six years old. 
and he's been playing all of that time with his dad. Um, and I, I personally just said, yep, cool, that's, that's fine. <laughs> Didn't really pay it a lot of attention, I've got to be honest. <laughs> so were, um, you, it, were you a gamer yourself? Are you a gamer yourself? Oh, look, I'm going to show my age here and, and tell you that I haven't gamed since the original Halo. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> but yes, I always was up until that point. Um, I haven't in a long time, though, personally. Yeah, well, um, you know. You'd... I can get stuck down the, the odd Minecraft rabbit hole mm-hmm. where I lose three hours, but it's not something that I, I particularly pay too much attention to now. <laughs> well, you're too busy running GGWP. And as I mentioned yeah. at the top of this chat, you're about to um, head overseas to Belgium. Is that right? Uh, I'm, I'm headed to Berlin. Berlin. In about a week and a half. Right, so you're about to head overseas to Berlin. What's going on there? Well, GGWP has just been picked up by a global accelerator program that is run by the, uh, let me get this right, Adi Dazla Legacy Program, which is, they're the grandsons of the founder of Adidas, essentially. Yep. So it's, it's kind of backed by the Adidas brand and everything else, and those guys particularly um, have been very helpful and, and amazing and they've selected me after a very long process of interview and pitching and everything else to go to Berlin and I will spend 12 weeks there in an accelerator program with investors and mentors from all over Europe and North America. So it's, it's an exciting time. Um, they're investing a lot of time and money in me. Uh, I think the program is valued at around Seventy-five thousand um, euros, wow. and the the financial figure that they invest in us just to get us, you know, into the program and everything else is twenty-five thousand euros. Far out, unreal. So they must really consider you a, a future star in this space. Well, there was over four hundred um, startups that originally applied for this, and we're in the top ten. So. Yeah, it did take a lot of work. Um, You know, there was one particular night where I spent from 6 p.m. until 2 a.m. pitching to um, sets of three investors who are attached to the program. Mm -hmm. And the investors that I spoke to throughout that night are the ones who uh, ultimately um, voted me into the program. So Unreal. Um, Well, we wish you the best of luck. I mean, it it seems like great things are on the horizon for GGWP. If you come off the back of this uh, coming back here, you know, clicking your heels because good things have happened, then then what's the next step for Good Game Well Played? Oh, look, the next step is definitely to launch our first two games, uh, games, courses. (laughs) I'm not making games. Um, (laughs) Launch the first two courses by the end of the year is our hope at this point. Um, then two further pro courses will happen in the first quarter of next year. All right. And if people, so that's, sort of, that's what's next. <laughs> and if people want more information themselves about GGWP, where can they go? They just need to go to at GGWP Academy on either Twitter or Facebook at this point. And that's where all of our updates are. So. All right. That's amazing. Um, now, uh, I want to pick your brain about Max. I want to pick your brain All about right. Orange Ocelot. Um, first, the games that he plays, what does he stream? Streams weekly on Monday nights. Uh, he, he streams a bit of Fortnite, a bit of Overwatch. He's hoping to do a bit more Paladins. Um, used to do a bit of Roblox, but 
I mean, you know, how, you know how kids are. They they change their mind on what game is is going on at the moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, except except for some reason Fortnite, which seems to be just yeah. smashing it. Which is uh, it, it's interesting. That at the moment, like I I love to ask you this question. You know, he you've obviously got a son who is is heavily invested in this, and for all the right reasons, and you have a really great regime structured around him as well to make sure that he lives a balanced lifestyle with this. When you see um, mainstream media portraying games like Fortnite in the negative angles with which they do. What's your take on that? Oh, look, to be honest, I'm, I'm usually quite upset at the fact that, you know, they tried to blame a game as, as the scapegoat for um, anything in the way of violence or bad behaviour because really when it comes down to it, um, there is always going to be TV, uh, various other media that has violence in it. Um, it's all about the parental, um, I guess, ability to negotiate that. Mm. Uh, their child, number one, might not be old enough to deal with that. I mean, every single individual has a different experience of this world. And I think that you know your child best and, and whether they're going to be someone who can deal with this or not. Um, I personally don't think that Fortnite is all that bad. Uh, I think that it's quite cartoon-like and it's definitely nothing like, you know, your COD or, or PUBG or, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I know exactly what you mean. We play a lot of PUBG with a game on community and there is there is a marked difference between PUBG and its portrayal of what happens in a game like that and, and Fortnite. Yeah, it's, it's miles I think, apart. I think it comes down to the parenting ability. I mean, you know, you know your child, you've got to make that decision for yourself, but don't blame the game um, when it should have been you assessing whether it's the right um, the right course of action or not. I um, uh, Ages ago, I had a very robust conversation with a, uh, a fantastic bloke and a good friend of mine here in WA who um, is on the morning program on a radio station called 6PR, which is a, a talkback um, program. And, you know, he was actually asking the questions off the back of the announcement from the Bombers who had um, picked up their esports team uh, uh, a little yeah. while ago, yep. yeah, saying, I don't get it. Why is it called esports? It's not a sport. Why are these people called athletes? <laughs> They're not athletes. Now, in the description for Orange Ocelot on his YouTube channel, it says Australia's youngest esports athlete and content creator. What, <laughs> what in your mind, makes esports? a sport and what makes him sitting in front of a computer playing video games and creating content an athlete? Well, I, I think it comes down to the mindset and it comes down to the way that you do structure your approach to it. Um, I think that at, at some point in your career or anyone's career, it turns from something that's quite casual and relaxed. Um, and this isn't for everyone, but for some people, it will turn into something that's more serious and, um, uh, requires a more structured approach. Mm-hmm. This year, um, he's he's been able to um, secure a coach, so that has changed his um, approach. And he has a more structured um, timing for when he trains and how he trains. And I, th- I think it just comes down to um, the effort that you put in, uh, especially at this age. It, once you get to that higher level esports, you know, you top you fanatic and and um, Cloud9 and everyone. Obviously, it's a whole different ball game. I think it comes down to the response times and the fitness and the 
um, the things that I couldn't possibly even know about, to be quite honest. Yeah. I mean, that's that's why we've engaged an expert in that area so that he could write that kind of content. Well, I um, my conversation with him, my argument was, I think it's, you know, I think unfortunately these days that mainstream media and most people who don't know enough about the space have still got a narrow view of the definition of sport and the definition of athlete. I think the, if anything, that, you know, um, what esports and, and what gamers are actually starting to do is, is broaden those definitions, which is really great to see. Um, you mentioned, Absolutely. I mean, we qualified for the, um, we qualified for this accelerator program under the guise of new sports. Yeah, right. And that seems to be a new term, a bit of terminology floating around the interwebs, um, relating to esports in general and a few other sports. But but we come under new sports according to the traditional sports. <laughs> now he, um, you mentioned he's he's got himself a coach. He's in a training yeah. regime, and this has all got a lot to do with the fact that he's now representing Tainted Minds. Is that right? Yeah. Um, He's been picked up by Tainted Minds earlier in the year, and um, that's been such a supportive network of awesome guys. Um, really couldn't ask for anything better in, in a team. Um, they've just been amazing, um, just in the way of um, supporting uh, both on social media and in person and um, just in general. Um, it's been quite a great experience, actually. So. Um Heading to the 2018 World Pokemon Championships in Nashville, it's got to be an incredibly proud moment uh, for a mother who is so invested in this space and also just to see, you know, their son absolutely loving what they're doing and and really flourishing in it as well. Um, Tell us about the 2018 World Pokemon Championships. Who's going over there with him? Uh, You know, is is he being sponsored over there? How's it all coming together? So there's a number of things that all come together for this. Um, His father goes over, um, I go over, and uh, Max is going over. Um, We're also sort of surrounded by about uh, 30 to 40 maybe other Australians who are going to be going over from all of the the various cities around Australia. So um, we'll all be getting on flights in the next 48 hours and heading over to Nashville, where they will compete on, um, let me just think, so their their competition will actually start on Saturday and do a full day, but Max has a pass for Saturday and just goes straight into the Sunday comp. So we got a day two invite. Oh, wow. That's amazing. Is that Now, this is off the back of the points system throughout the uh, current season that's been happening through Australia yeah, that I understand so- Max has been travelling around the country competing in. Yeah, all of all of the competitions in Melbourne and in Perth, Brisbane, Sydney, <laughs> bit of everywhere. Um, every single one of those times that he's competed, he's picked up points. Um, and essentially, what happens is, if when, once you tip over the uh, the amount of points that you require for worlds, um, they take the top eight from the region. He's currently sitting at six, so that allowed him just a, a little bit of leeway. And the top eight get a, a day two invite. Um, I think it's about. I think it might be the top sixteen that get a, a day day one invite. Gee, so they get to go and compete and try their luck on day one, um, which is what Max did last year. Unfortunately, he didn't make it through day one. Um, but this year, he's got the invite for day two. So less um, actual 
uh, matchup and a higher chance, I suppose. <laughs> Unreal. Well, and obviously, you know, a year's worth of experience more to to his um, career as well, which has got to help. But uh, at the age of 10, is he the youngest competing at the Pokemon World Championships? Oh, definitely not. Um, there are, there are six year olds competing at worlds in the wow. same, yeah, <laughs> wow. no, it's, it's, it's a huge thing. You should see the auditorium when you walk into worlds. I mean, I went to my first one last year and it was just amazing. If you can imagine one of the biggest auditoriums in Anaheim, um, just completely filled with Pokemon stuff, Pokemon people, um, Pokemon tournaments. And um, obviously the streams and the big stage areas where the finals are held. Um, it's quite an amazing experience, actually. And the Pokemon community has just been so friendly and so welcoming. It's been amazing. Um, well, let me uh, be the first one to call you guys Australia's first family of gaming. <laughs> uh, you know, we'll put you up there in terms of royalty because you're doing amazing things in the space. Gaul, all the best with GGWP uh, for that 12 weeks stint that you're going over to uh, Berlin for. I hope it goes incredibly well for you. You're working hard at it, which I'm sure you you will. Um, it will. And in particular, all the best to uh, Max Orange Ocelot Gaming at the Pokemon World Championships in Nashville. This is going to be absolutely extraordinary. If people want to follow the journey of what uh, Max is getting up to and see how he goes. Uh, where can they get in touch and follow all of his stuff? Uh, look, Twitter is probably the best place to find Orange Ocelot. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, um, and it's it's usually under at Orange Ocelot Gam, G-A-M, or gaming. So, yeah. Amazing. Um, would you mind popping Max on just for a quick, a quick chat? Go for it. Here he is. Hello again. Hello again, Max. How are you? Good, thank you. How are Good. you? You're very well. Mate, uh, I just wanted to pass on a massive, massive first congratulations on getting through to the 2018 World Pokemon Championships in Nashville um, and all the other great stuff that you're doing in the space as well, representing Tainted Minds and really making an amazing goal of it. It's, it's fantastic to see. Um, but a, a congratulations on behalf of the gamers in uh, WA at Game on Australia and across the country in this community as well, mate. We're really backing you in on this one. We hope you do really well. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Um, just one other thing. Uh, when you play Overwatch, what do you main? Wrecking Ball or Junkrat? Wrecking Ball or Junkrat? Uh, junk okay. What do you reckon uh, one Monday night when you're streaming, you and I jump on for a bit of a bash? Okay. Okay. Awesome. Because uh, I need a, I need a good, uh, I need a good junk rat or a uh, a good side tank as well for my my Reinhardt main. Okay, bring it on. All right. <laughs> bring it on. Lovely. That sounds fantastic, mate. Have a safe flight, and again, all the very best. Keep us posted on how you go. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Bye. Thank you, thank you. No worries. My pleasure, my pleasure, my pleasure. Have a safe trip there and back, and uh, keep in touch. Make sure you keep us posted with how everything's going. Will do, absolutely. All right, I'll speak to you guys soon, I'm sure. Thanks, Pete. See ya. So there you go, mate. Just a couple of dead set legends. Um, So good. You know, and I really appreciate uh, Jackie's time and the time of her son, Max, as well. Max is doing stunning uh, things in the space as a real up-and-comer in Australian gaming. What were you doing at 10 years old? Uh, 
I, I wasn't doing that. <laughs> my only thing that I remember at 10 years old was I had a Bart Simpson cake <laughs> for my birthday. <laughs> you know, I, I remember that. Um, and that was it, mate. I, I certainly wasn't, you know, uh, well on my way to being a professional gamer, Twitch no. streamer, content yeah. creator like, like Orange Ocelot is. So and uh, Jackie is just doing a sterling job with GGWP as well. That looks mm. like it's going to be a wonderful thing here in Australia for gamers who need to know more about the space and what it takes to actually really make something of yourself too. So we appreciate their time and wish them all the best of luck. We didn't catch up with Max and Jackie when they're back from all of their traveling, just to see how well Max went at the Pokemon World Championships. Uh, And also, of course, how Jackie went with uh, investors and all that sort of stuff for GGWP. Mm. Good game, well played. Mm. Mate, look, we... we... (sighs) We got to wrap it up there. We, there's too much time, otherwise, you know. Well, that's right. We don't I have mean, the time. No, <laughs> that's true. Um, we got to get out of here, but we really appreciate your ears. Thank you so much. We were going to talk about the things that we have been playing at the moment. Um, well, I'll give you one, or two words. Okay. Fortnite. Fortnite. Yeah, of course. Well, it's one word. It's <laughs> one word. It's one word, yeah. mate. How long have you been playing it for? A uh, little while. Yeah, come on. Actually, oh, I want to. Let's lead into a question next week. I'm going to put this on Facebook. What's the game you got wrong? The first time you played it. And the game for, you got wrong? You know, what do you mean? So the first time I played Fortnite, I wrote an article saying, yeah, stuff you Ah, uh, yes, 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 yes. It's what a, what a piece of crap. And, yep. now, and now I'm playing it all the time. All so right. I got it wrong. Okay. I admit I got it wrong. And so I don't know if you can think about it. Well, maybe save yours for next week. Mm. I'll put it on Facebook and see what people come back with. Because we've all got an example. Surely. Absolutely we do. Yeah, yeah for sure. Um, okay, sounds good. Mm. Drop it on Facebook and uh, make sure you check it out. Let's hear your answers, people. Mm. Thanks for joining us. A big thank you to our partners, the great developers and publishers around the country, and all the best with your wares at Gamescom. We look forward to more of your announcements. And, of course, you can check out those announcements in very special uh, hashtag Goa Top 3s every single day at, at GameOnAUS.com. Um, they're all Gamescom special, specific Top 3s this week. So they are all the things that you need to know. Yep. Check in every morning for those. Also on Facebook, uh, a big thanks to our mates over at PLE Computers being our tech sponsor. And, of course, at uh, andrewhogue.com, which you may be listening to this podcast on as well. Rock on. Uh, Goa Discord Casuals, that is on the way again this week. Don't forget the Wheel of Keys comes with it as well. It's your chance if you get the, the big kills on the night to spin the Wheel of Keys, win yourself we, awesome prizes. When you say that, can you say it? Wheel of Keys! Okay. Every time. Wheel of Keys! <laughs> yes! That's better! Love it! Thank you. (laughs) Have a great weekend in gaming, as we always say, Dan. Do not forget to save.